Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Today is Sunday, September 6th of Labor Day weekend. And uh, good news, everybody. We are back into football season. Uh, this is our Wofford recap episode, walking us back through what happened in game one. Fortunately, it was a Tiger win. Um, and real quick, though, for those of you, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, uh, we encourage you all to check out clemsonpodcast.com. Up on our, our website, we've got a link to some of our past recordings that you could check out. Um, might not be as relevant to look at the Wofford preview, but we've got our season preview up there and some of our past recordings are linked on our website. And we also have um, ways for you to subscribe to the podcast. If you listen to these on your smartphone, you can find uh, where you can follow along to us, uh, follow along there. Um, as well, we have our uh, links to our social media accounts, Twitter and Facebook. So check out clemsonpodcast.com. And just to clear off on how we're going to be doing the podcast moving forward for the season, just like this one, we'll do on Sundays, most weeks, um, a recap episode of the previous game uh, that the Tigers will just have played. Then a few days later, typically around Wednesday, we would like to do a a preview episode for the upcoming game that week. Uh, This coming week, we'll do an App State preview uh, by Wednesday. So hopefully that'll give you all some time to, you know, mentally prepare for the upcoming opponent. Uh, these should come in around a 45-minute to one-hour podcast per episode. So uh, moving to twice a week, and we look forward to it. And I'd like to point out that not all three of us are going to be able to be on the podcast every single time. It's it's funny, though. You know, we went about 20 episodes going from March, almost doing weekly, heading up into the season. And I think uh, you, myself, and Cody were available for every single one. And then we hit the season, and we haven't all been able to get together. Yeah. So <laughs> Our timing's great there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think most weeks we're going to end up with a minimum of two guys uh, doing this. So um, should be good. But anyway, Cody is not with us this evening, but we should should be able to power through anyway. Um, but let's get into it. You know, rewinding the first game, we'll start out with a couple of really quick high-level takeaways. Then we will get into um, more of an in-depth review of you know, what happened in the game. But I think the, the number one topic on everybody's mind today on Sunday has to do with uh, the neck injury that Mike Williams sustained at the end of the first drive in the first quarter. Fortunately, he hauled in a touchdown pass um, that was deemed a touchdown after review. But in the process of going to the ground, um, he was pushed into the basically field goal or the goalpost standard. Um, it was a very scary moment. It looked like Death Valley went completely silent. I think it was about a 20 to 30 minute just you know pause and game action uh while the the medical staff tended to mike williams so first of all just a scary moment and we were we were happy to see him respond move his extremities etc um initially and then you know raises raises his hand to the sky coming off the field um that was good yeah it was really tough to see that happen you know you never want to see injuries and especially one that could be as, as serious um, as it seemed to be, you know, especially with a neck injury. At first, I was hoping there was just a concussion, uh, the way he hit, because he didn't seem to hit it too hard or head-on or mm-hmm. awkwardly to me. Again, it was maybe could have been because of the camera view, but a really scary moment. Glad to hear that he's doing okay. We saw a picture of him uh, come out of him outside the hospital, a smile on his face. 
Um, Dabo says he'll be back in school, back in class tomorrow. He actually wanted to get up and walk off the field. So mm-hmm. precautionary measures taken. Obviously, you want to do that with a neck injury. I think the big thing out of this, though, is that he could be out for an extended period of time. And we've we mentioned it before. If there's any position uh, on the team that we could stand to have a some injuries, it would be wide receiver. But I take that back a little bit because this is our best wide receiver. Right. This is an NFL pretty much ready wide receiver. So. We'll have to see what happens. We'll, we'll jump back to the injury, uh, the injury situation here a little bit later on, and talk about how this affects the team moving forward. Uh, but yeah, just kicking off with this, not not a great way to start the season for sure. Definitely. Um, but let's talk about what went right, I guess. Um, you know, yesterday's game, game one, was a sellout at Death Valley. I think we've come, we've become accustomed to having you know some really marquee matchups to start off the season. Last three seasons, we've had um, really capable SEC opponent uh, to start the year off and we've we've very much been in the national spotlight to face an FCS opponent this year in Wofford from the SoCon I think was a shot in the arm for this team we had a number of question marks throughout the roster of guys turning over tons of freshmen played so I think this was a great if you want to call it that a warm-up um, for the team and for the season but uh, anyway you, you couldn't tell it was against an FCS opponent by looking at the crowd no and that's that's awesome and I think that really uh, speaks volumes about where this program's heading and the excitement behind it. To sell out the Wofford game, first game of the year, I mean, that's big. Because in recent years, we wouldn't have done that, especially against an FSC opponent, like you said. So, I mean, you saw the South Carolina-North Carolina game. They had 20,000 empty seats in that stadium to kick off their season. So That's a smaller stadium than we have, too. Right. So, I mean, and that's so that's that's huge. It's It's awesome to see. It's awesome to see the fan base get behind this team. Uh, Brent Venables uh, mentioned uh, how exciting it was to see the energy in the fan base there. I, I know he's coached all- at Oklahoma, right? I mean, exactly, and in, yeah. and then to have all those you know freshmen that are going out there for the first time and running down the hill from the first time. What an experience for them, right? You you, you heard from a lot of these guys how they maybe they had butterflies in their stomach and they took it easy going down the hill and just taking in the moment. I mean that that's absolutely fantastic, and and this goes to show you. This is why kids choose Clemson. It's yep. because of the atmospheres, because of the fan base, because of our coaching staff, and everything that, that builds who we are. So cool to see a, a sellout crowd yesterday, and really excited about the result. Yeah, absolutely. So Clemson uh, took care of business, beat the spread, um, as well as you know put up 49 points against Wofford. Uh, 49-10 was the final. Clemson actually led 35-7 at halftime, too. So... Definitely let off the gas a bit in the second half. Fortunately, held their team to only 10 points overall, which I think it was a great result for us. Um, so in terms of that, you know, real big takeaway is really quick. Um, Wofford didn't end up recording its first first down until three minutes left in the first half. I think that, that lets you know the kind of dominant defensive performance that they saw, especially when you contrast that to 2011, when Wofford was moving the ball at will, um, controlling time of possession, scoring points, keeping our offense off the field. I think, you know, maybe the players were paying attention to film of that game, knew the, knew the gravity of the situation, or we were just plain dominant. I think it was a combination of all of that, but great to see that uh, defensive performance. And real quick on the offensive side, Clemson ended up, ended up running 80 plays, even after taking the foot off the gas. Um, 80 plays, there was really good balance too. Uh, 43 run plays, 37 pass plays for our offense. 
Wofford was held at 63 plays overall, um, which I think that was definitely attributed to a few three and outs in the first half. Um, so, you know, definitely good there. I think Wofford was very run heavy. You can attribute that a bit to the triple option offense that they run, but um, also I think to the amount of pressure we were putting on them, they didn't have time to pass. Yeah, and they're not a huge passing team, um, but it was good to see us be able to manage the triple option. And from the defensive line position and the linebacker position, I think we had some good play there. So um, good takeaways uh, from that part of the game for sure. Uh, I mean, they're, they're no Georgia Tech. They're not on the same level, but it's still good to see us be able to, to hold an offense like this whose goal is to slow you down and keep your offense off the field. And I think we managed that very well. And it showed as the game played out and in the final score. Definitely. Um, maybe to go through some quick quick stats of the game, from my perspective, mostly on the offensive side, um, I mentioned 80 plays for the offense. Uh, Deshaun Watson played half of the game, 40 of those plays. Um, he averaged eight yards per play. Uh, Nick Schusler, second stringer, came in for 29 plays. Um, Deshaun was at eight. Nick Schusler was under six at 5.8 yards per play. And uh, true freshman and third string quarterback uh, Kelly Bryant played for 11 snaps and his average was 4.1 yards per play. So definitely good to see. I think overall the story of the game on the offense was the coaching staff and Clemson really spreading the ball around. Tons of guys got touches. Um, In terms of receivers, 12 Tigers caught a pass. And that's just an incredible number considering we only had 30 receptions on the day, 12 guys catching a pass. Um, eight Tigers ended up running the ball. All of them gained yards except for Nick Schusler. So really good distribution there, getting a lot of guys some playing time and some live action. Um, that's important, especially we're still in that zone or that period before red shirts need to be declared. So we may end up seeing some guys red shirt that got some action yesterday. Um, but ultimately, yeah, good to see everybody touching the ball. Yeah, the things that I really took away from this is, one, uh, the combination of our three quarterbacks between Watson, Schusler, and Bryant, uh, they were about an 81% uh, completion percentage. Uh, so that was really huge. I mean, we know what Watson can do, um, but to see Schusler and Bryant come in there and put up those numbers, that was fantastic to see. Um, from a rushing standpoint, Galman getting his 6.6 uh, uh, yards per carry average, and then Zach Brooks to come in and get 7.4 yards a carry. That was that was good to see out of the running back position because we still have some unknowns there. Then receiving Ray McLeod leading the team with 80 yards. Uh, you know, that was huge to see him step up, especially with the Mike Williams uh, injury and to see him go down. So, yes, yeah, again, it, it, it's hard. You can only look so far into these stats because, again, it is Wofford. But really some positive things to pull out of this and maybe starting to solve some questions that – you know, we're going to have to see how we look in Appalachian State, and then against Louisville is really going to be telling, but some good things coming out of yesterday for sure. Yep. Let's maybe stick with just our takeaways from the game. Let's let's angle this around what, what you thought went right, Ben. Um, maybe start with the offense. What did you see that you thought either met your expectations or even might have exceeded them some? Well, first, Deshaun Watson hasn't missed a beat. It's, it's amazing to me to see this kid be able to come straight out of high school and right into the college game and be so smooth. And then to sustain injuries, you know, he missed, uh, you know, got hurt in the spring game his first year and then missed all of the spring practice last year. And this kid comes in and he looks like, I mean, he's been in the program starting for three years. So I think that's the biggest thing. He looked great. He looked nimble. He looked quick. We didn't see him run the ball a lot. 
Yeah, he ran which twice. Is, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from an accuracy standpoint on his passes, he was really sharp there. And he's just calm, cool, and collected. And he was running this team. So that for sure, I think that was the number one thing everybody was looking forward to seeing. And, you know, we got what we wanted for sure. Yeah. Um, Shake in the Southland, Clemson blog on SB Nation, their writer, Quacking Tiger, had a quick kind of instant take on the game. And I think he... He put it best. He said, you know, Deshaun showed flashes of his greatness. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, he he basically said, like, he is a Heisman contender, truly. I think his stats, you know, he didn't go out there and put up gaudy numbers against an FCS team. He played 40 snaps. Um, He played five drives. They all resulted in touchdowns. He had two touchdowns himself. Um, You know, I think, you know, definitely a a worthy worthy performance of a Heisman hopeful. Yeah, and he's going to have other opportunities this year to really put up those stats. There's maybe maybe two other games, Wake Forest and Appalachian State, where he's not going to play you know, well into the fourth quarter. Uh, so if not the... Ho- hopefully if, other games. Yeah, if not... But, well, yeah, well, hopefully, but yeah. So he's <laughs> going to put up expect. those numbers. Yeah. And if he continues to do what he did yesterday and builds upon that, like we're going to see a fantastic season from a Clemson quarterback, one that we haven't seen to the level that it could be in a very long time. Yep. I think one thing that contributed to that yesterday was our O-line play. So um, we'll talk a little bit about some injuries that we saw there, but ultimately that was one thing we mentioned in the, in the preview episode that, or that you guys mentioned that you were looking for is how is this O-line going to gel together? Um, they've got you know true freshmen playing. They've got some guys with question marks talent-wise, um, but it looked to me like they were getting – getting our quarterbacks time to make the right reads and actually get better passes off, resulting in that really good completion percentage. So to me, I feel like the O-line overachieved yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, again, it's hard to tell you're playing against Wofford of what the really performance of the offensive line, what it means. Uh, Kind of the same thing with running backs, but what you could have taken away is if we didn't do a good job. Uh, but we did. Uh, the last uh, couple years, uh, last times we played SC State, we've had a trouble getting a run game going against a very inferior opponent. This wasn't the case yesterday. The offensive line got a good push. They had good pass protection, and the running backs hit their gaps. They didn't dance around. They hit the holes, and they made. They had good runs. So that was another very positive thing to see come out of it. Again, the talent level we were facing had something to do with that, but, you know, There was nothing but good things to see yesterday coming out of that kind of aspect of the game. Keeping it with line play, on the other side of the ball, the defensive line looked absolutely dominant. Again, you can attribute some of that to uh, the Wofford team. I think their their center was certainly not of the caliber that we're going to face with some of our ACC and um, other national contender opponents, but certainly saw really great things from um, our line, especially uh, the center of the line, the, the tackle positions. Um, really getting in there and disrupting Wofford's game game plan um, for, to run the triple option. Like like we mentioned at the top, they didn't get a first down until the very waning moments of the, the first half. Unfortunately, they were able to convert that into a, t- a touchdown. Um, so, Yeah, and that was even very close. They got a lucky one second put back on the clock there at the end of the, the first half to get that touchdown. But Yep. Um, but yeah, a really dominant performance, especially by the interior defensive line. They got a huge push all day. They got into the backfield, and they disrupted Wofford's uh, running game. And so that was a big part of why you saw them only put up 10 points. And, you know, I think maybe a little bit better than expected. I predicted Wofford to score 17 in this game. They only got 10. Maybe shouldn't even have had that. So 
yeah, a lot of positive things along the defensive line. Just another great takeaway, especially see the lines on both sides of the ball play so well. Yeah, I think we'll wrap up kind of what went what went well or our big takeaway here. I think the freshmen overall, you can underline it. They are and they have been as good as advertised. Uh, two standouts to me, Greg Hugel, um, our place kicker, looked better than expected. Certainly he was not put in a position to hit a, a meaningful high-pressure 45-yard field goal to tie or um, win the game for us here. He put his PATs through the uprights pretty solidly, though. And more importantly, I think on the kickoffs, I didn't watch every single kickoff um, of the second half, but it looked like he was at least reaching the goal line, if not you know, a couple yards into the end zone. Right, yeah. So, he looked confident, and that was huge. So, I mean, that was great to see because I hadn't seen him kick, kick at all. Um, so that was exciting. Some of the other freshmen, Ray McLeod, he looked great. Some, he had his moments at times, his freshman moments, but he, he looked the part. Kelly Bryant really impressed me. Um, I was excited to see him throw the ball. I thought he did really well, but all around, you know, the other guys, Deion Kane, Christian Wilkins, I mean, these freshmen played really well. And, and Mitch again, Hyatt, right? Mitch Hyatt, yeah, yeah, like you said, as good as advertised. We've got something to look forward to here for sure, which is good with the injuries and, you know, departures from the team that we've gone that we've had yeah we were speaking before we hit record today and i would have given our overall game probably around an a minus score i think if we want to talk about what went wrong or what might have contributed to that not being a plus for us i think you can that begins and ends with injuries um not only did we have the mike williams neck injury really early on but uh center starting center ryan norton also sustained a minor knee injury during the game he was quickly replaced by the very capable Jay Guillermo. Um, fortunately, Guillermo gelled quickly with the rest of the line, and we didn't really have a, you know, a, a step back in play there at all. But um, you know, we, we talk about it all along. This O line talent level and depth is really thin, so we can't we can ill afford to have these type of injuries. Yeah, we can't afford injuries along the O line, and we can't afford injuries to our best player at a certain position. So, yeah, that was definitely part of the what went wrong for the day. But overall, the, the come out of it, for the most part, healthy was, was a positive takeaway. And we'll have to see what happens with Mike Williams. But, yeah, that was obviously first drive of the game, I think, that Williams' injury was. And, yeah, that, was, that hurt. Absolutely. Uh, maybe elsewhere, things to improve upon. Just from a linebacker perspective, I think our starters, B.J. Goodson, Ben Woolware, they made a lot of plays. They were constantly there. They stuck to their assignments, which we discussed was very important. So I think they, you know, they, they checked the box there. But in terms of depth, you know, backup guys coming in, I don't know necessarily that we saw some amazing flashes of brilliance. Yeah, the starters played well, but they also played a long time. So I think that tells us uh, the confidence the coaching staff has in the backup linebackers that position. If they can't get it against Wofford, and get a lot of playing time, then we're going to be in trouble there if these if these starters can't play a significant amount of time in in ninety degree heat. Yeah, yeah. and stay injury free throughout the season. So it, it was disappointing to not see uh, a larger rotation at the linebacker position for sure. Yeah, let's see how that looks at, with App State. We don't know if there is any other reasons why guys weren't playing in week one. I think we saw a couple of guys um, needing to sit out the game for disciplinary reasons, um, either the first first series like Mackenzie Alexander or entire game like some other guys, but uh, we will see there at linebacker. It's definitely something to watch. Um, special teams. That was also a bit of an adventure. Uh, we had a couple of, we definitely had a turnover. Hunter Renfro coughed the ball up. 
which led to their first touchdown, um, unfortunately. Um, and then punting the ball was a bit of bit of a you know it was just bit kind of dicey. Some, some dying ducks up there. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about it later. But that was definitely the the whole punt game was a very weak spot for us, and we've got a we got a long way to go there. Yeah, and if we're gonna be an elite team, that definitely has to improve. Uh, we, we did win this game despite coughing the ball at twice. Two turnovers, typically you're not going to recover from that against a very capable team like a Louisville and Notre Dame. So got to shut that down. You know, I think one of them was Nick Schusler not using his head and protecting that ball. He's not typically going to be in there, knock on wood. And then Hunter Renfro, you know, walk-on freshman basically not protecting the ball, wanted to bust the play out. He had his uh, Adam Humphreys moment, so to speak. Right. So, you know, we'll work that stuff out. It's, it's kind of why you do play these FCS opponents yeah. um, to get the kinks out. Uh, so we've touched on the injuries a bit. I think, you know, we, in terms of Mike Williams, it does seem like he had a fracture, a fractured neck. Um, some would call it a broken neck, which maybe sounds worse than it is. He's, he's walking around. He's in basically a neck brace at the moment. Um, so, you know, it appears like it's not a career-ending injury. They're going to let that heal on its own. It won't require surgery. Um, we don't know. They're going to reevaluate him in six weeks. He may be able to play in seven weeks. He may be able to play toward the end of the year. He, they may shut him down for the full year until he re- can recover. Um, and he may be able to earn himself a medical red shirt. Um, I think either way, you are going to see him play you know, a f- one more season, potentially next year with Clemson, unless he can get you know a half or majority of a season done this year. Yeah, so my thoughts here are if, if we get into mid-October, or even if he would be able to come back by the FSU game, and we're undefeated, for certain he comes back. But I think at, at that point, if we have two losses, and maybe he's back by FSU, maybe not, maybe more mid-November, I think you definitely have, you should hold him out for the rest of the year, and he comes back next year, plays his final season. I mean, obviously he'd still have two years of eligibility, but let's be honest, the, the player he is, he's only going to play one more year and he's going to go to the NFL, mm-hmm. especially in light of this injury because that kind of hits home and you know what you risk. So I think it'll be interesting to see how things play out here. It's going to come down to when he comes back and what our record is at the time he's available. So again, if we're undefeated and he's able to come back mid, late October, even early November, I think absolutely you have to put him on the field because you put your best players on the field to give you the best opportunity to get to the college football playoff and win a national championship. But do you risk, I don't know, any further injury or just essentially losing him after this year uh, if you have two losses or something like that? I don't know. Maybe that kind of sounds selfish because you want to give the kid the opportunity well, to put him I, on the yeah. field when he's available. And I don't think you're implying that the team would rush him back in the event that we are undefeated if there's any question about his recovery or the, the health of his neck. I think the the given here in this conversation is that he gets a you know clean bill of health from doctors. Right. And that you know he's fully healthy and capable and clear to play. Um, and I'm not talking about Washington Redskins ready to play. I'm talking about like... <laughs> you know, legitimately in the clear. I feel like, you know, we can trust our athletic department and Dabo to make the right call there. Um, but yeah, if, you know, this this recovery goes well, he's ready to go for Florida State. I feel like bringing him back makes a ton of sense. Yeah, you put him back on the field for sure. Um, well, I mean, the biggest thing out of all of it, it, it's good to know that he's okay and this isn't a career-threatening injury or anything like that. I mean, the fact that he was going to try to walk off the field, I mean, you know, when you take a guy on a stretcher, 
it's a lot of times very precautionary and it's not as bad as it seems. It's good to hear that he's up and walking around with the hospital yesterday and he, he got back with the team. He's going to be back in class tomorrow. So really just our thoughts are with him. We're wishing for a speedy recovery. I know that was a tough thing for his family to be there and see too. So we hope they're all doing well and we look forward to getting Mike back. So Ben, real quick, I want to ask you, let's say he is out the rest of the season um, or at least the majority. How are we going to make up for this loss? Well, two guys. Uh, it's going to be Deion Kane and Trevion Thompson. Uh, Deion Kane, obviously a very talented freshman. Uh, he had a few catches yesterday for 36 yards. And then Trevion Thompson, uh, only one catch yesterday for four yards, but he's looked really good in practice. Uh, but these are going to be the guys that are going to have to step in and kind of fill in that role. Um, you're going to see Ray-Ray McLeod come in. Uh, he's going to have his moments, but really making up for the, the tall wide receiver that Mike Williams was that can really go up there and get a ball is it's not something that Sharon Peak is is built for. He's our speed, our burner guy. It's right. not Artavis Scott. He's the guy that makes plays in the open field. It's really going to come down to Thompson and uh, Deion Kane. Uh, both players listed as 6-2. Um, they're going to really have to fill in that spot for Mike Williams because, again, Mike Williams NFL ready to go next year. Um, and yeah. he, he's listed as 6'4", so we are going to lose something in height there. Um, and we're just going to have to make up for it with a combination of other guys that can do various things and are talented in other ways because we're not going to just straight up replace Mike Williams. It's not going to happen. Fortunately, we are extremely deep at wide receiver, but again, you don't want to lose your best wide receiver. Right. I, I feel like the biggest impact for Clemson is going to be felt on third downs situations where you just need to give the ball to your your best option there who can who's most reliable um typically that would have been mike williams where you need to go get eight yards six yards in the past for clemson that was a guy like new hopkins um, who was just so reliable great hands great ability to go one-on-one with with the best corner from the other team and just go up there and get that first down um we made you know i would love to see a trevion thompson step in and just really you know he's going to need to learn but if he can establish himself there, that's great. I'm actually thinking this could open up opportunities for our tight end game. I was That's amazing that you just said that because I was just thinking it because you were talking about matchup problems that brings to mind Jordan Leggett. Right. We always talk about how he's a matchup problem, and I was going to bring this up. So that's, that's a great point. And Jordan Leggett, like he, he's that you know, tall. I mean, he's a prototypical tight end. He's not, you know, he's not quite Gronk or Jimmy Graham at this point, but... You know, he can, I think he can be our third down guy. Um, and again, what you're looking for, like you said, I mean, we're looking for a matchup problem. That's what Mike Williams is for a lot of guys because he's that tall wide receiver that can really go up, go over a guy and get the ball. Jordan Leggan create matchup problems. We can have these other talented wide receivers uh, taking up uh, the defensive backs of these opposing teams. And that means that there's going to be a need to be a talented linebacker on the opposing defense that can cover Jordan Leggett. So, matchup problem. Right. I think you're right. If he can pull everything together, he may be able to fill in nicely and, and step up and help. I see for us, maybe to put a, put a bow on this one, the teams and the matchups where this is going to be the biggest issue, I think it's going to be against Notre Dame, where they've got a number one NFL caliber player. They have a number one linebacker. They have a number one D-back. Um, they have a great line. Like Maybe their depth beyond that isn't great, but you know, certainly Mike Williams is going to at least attract some of that attention. Who's our guy going to be? Fortunately, we've got a couple more weeks to figure that out. Um, two more games before we played Notre Dame. But I think um, his, his absence will be most felt there. 
let's hope Trevion Thompson, Jordan Leggett, and even Deion Kane can establish themselves. Um, I also think, though, this, you know, we talked even, you know, much earlier in the summer when we did our wide receiver preview. How is um, our coaching staff going to distribute the ball to all these wide receivers? Now I actually see the ball, like a guy like Sharon Peak, even though he's not going to be that guy to go up and necessarily replace Mike Williams, are they going to design more plays for Sharon Peak's skill set down the field? Um, we had a play to him on the first drive um, before Mike Williams' injury that I actually feel like Deshaun underthrew uh, Sharon Peak. Fortunately, he, he still almost went up and over the guy's back and caught the ball. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, underthrow. Um, was a pass interference call and we got the 15 yards. But, you know, that's the type of player that can stretch the field for us and make those. I mean, it'd be great to not even get into those third and longs with an established run game and with the deep threat um, that we've got. Yeah, I think peak is still, we still have the deep threat in peak. So we don't lose that. Um, again, it's it's a guy that can go up in the corner of the end zone and bring one down mm-hmm. or on third down, just really overpower somebody and go up and get the ball. So. Yeah, we'll have to see if Cannon Thompson can play that role or if Jordan Leggett can can step up to the plate and make an impact. We will see, and we've got another warm-up this week with App State for these guys to establish themselves. So um, maybe with the last injury, Ryan Norton, center, suffered a knee injury. I believe that was in the second quarter. Um, not good, but Jay Guillermo looked, looked pretty good as a kind of stepping in a relief role there. Um, just, you know, not necessarily breaking news, but Dabo in his Sunday press conference, um, reiterated that Ryan Norton would be fine. Looks like he's going to be able to return to practice by this Tuesday. So he should be good to go against App State. Ben, do you think we'll return to Ryan Norton in the starting role? Yeah, I think absolutely. Ryan Norton's your starter. Um, yeah, I think it was probably precautionary just to keep him out. You know, you never want to mess with these injuries. A lot of times you do see these offensive linemen can have these tweaks, uh, to their knees or their ankles. They can put them out for a game, but it's it's not tearing an ACL or springing an MCL or something like that. So good to hear he'll be back. It was good to see Guillermo look good and uh, back him up. But again, this is the offensive line. We're very thin at this position. We need all hands on deck. So good to not lose him for any more time than we already have. Cool. So um. Before we wrap the week up, we want to do just a quick five-minute recap, a uh, bit of a deep dive a little bit into each of the position groups. So we'll, we'll go five minutes offense, five minutes defense, and then wrap with special teams, and then take a look at a s- scores around the country. Um, as far as the offense goes, we touched on it. I think Deshaun Watson looked great. That's a main takeaway here. 18 to 22 attempts for 194 yards, two carries. Uh, one of them was a design play. One of them was a scramble, 22 yards, and he threw for two touchdowns. So... Heisman-worthy performance. Um, some of his passes weren't quite as crisp as they could have been, but I feel like you know that's the kind of thing you get in the first game of the season, especially for a guy who played in in spots last year. So um, you know, definitely very confident in Deshaun Watson. And he also only had four incompletions. So even if he was a little bit inaccurate at times, uh, he was good enough to get the ball there. I mean, he had great crisp throws. Uh, obviously, our fantastic, talented wide receiving core helps make up for some bad throws. But I think overall, very exciting to see what he had to offer. And you know every Clemson fan is just itching to see him get back on the field and play and play a complete full season because you saw it yesterday. If, if he's able to do that all year and he's only going to get better, then he is a game changer. He himself alone is what puts us in the college football playoff race it really does like he's that good 
Mm-hmm. And so if he if he keeps doing that and gets better, we're in good shape. Definitely. I think another thing that's going to help us out is if we get, continue to get running back play like we did yesterday. Very solid. Again, we talked about how, how, how much distribution there was. Four different running backs scored touchdowns. You know, tons of guys carried the rock yesterday. Um, but really, you know, two guys stood out to me, Wayne Gallman, the starter, and Zach Brooks, who did not play last year at all. Both of those guys really, you know, hit their assignments, hit the holes well, and um, gained chunks of yards at a time. So um, I feel like the running back play, um, all of these guys, I mean, we really saw a lot of effort through the end of the play, through the whistle as well from these running backs. Like C.J. Davidson, really the third or even fourth option at running back, um, he would not go down without a fight. I think some of that effort is a function of having Tony Elliott, who's their former position group coach, now calling the plays. If these guys want to see playing time, they want to show him that they, you know, give a crap and, you know, have that, that intensity and that competitiveness. Um, so that's only going to help us out. Yeah. I was really excited to see Galman and Brooks. I mean, they really hit the holes. Well, there wasn't a lot of dancing around. They look like solid running backs. And I think that's your number one, number two guy right there. Galman Brooks in that order. I was really excited by CJ Davidson. He really showed his speed and his quickness. I think he's back to form there and then die. Die is going to be a guy that can, he's going to be a bruiser, I think. We get down near the golden line or on third down, he's going to be the guy that filled in that spot. So I think these are your four running backs that we're going to see uh, moving forward this year. Probably a combo of Galman and Brooks, and then CJ Davidson is going to have his moments and his opportunities. And then Die is going to be kind of a role player. But I liked what I saw out of all of them yesterday. Obviously, a lot of it has to do with the O line play as well. But I think the tandem of, of how both of them, you know, the, how the O-line gelled and how the running backs just, just ran forward, hit holes, and, and really, you know, there was no dancing around. They just got down to business, did what they had to do, and they looked great. Yeah, and we've talked about the O-line, how much push they had, um, both for these running backs, but in general also keeping you know, the quarterbacks upright and protected. I think the main takeaway for me is the performance of true freshman left tackle Mitch Hyatt. Um, he, you know, came in like a seasoned pro, even though this is basically third week at the school in terms of being a student athlete. Um, he said his most uh, tense moment yesterday was running down the hill at the start, making sure he didn't tra- topple over himself. Uh, so he handled it like a pro. Um, I'm not really sure what these scores mean, but he received a an O-lineman score yesterday, a game score of 92, which if that's on a... 100-point scale seems pretty darn good. It's, it's, um, an, it's an A, A-minus. I'll take it out of a true freshman, the first true freshman to start, I think, at, at either the O-line or offensive tackle since, like, 1943 for Clemson. So to, to grade out as a 92? Yeah. Yeah, there's no complaining here. Indeed. Um, and just to wrap up with the guys that catch the balls, um, we got what we really expected out of our elite wide receiver group wasn't really just one or two guys that stood out. We mentioned how many guys caught the ball. I mean, it, just an incredibly talented group, really deep. And with good quarterback play, we're able to spread the ball around and keep you know, defensive coordinators scratching their heads a bit as to how to guard all of our guys. So, um, you know, again, we're going to have to make up for the loss of Mike Williams. We do have the talent there to make it happen. We just need guys to actually step up and, and be legit. Um, Artavis Scott, such a playmaker, really picked up where he left off. 35-yard touchdown catch that was really mostly him. It was on a screen pass. Mostly him, you know, making moves and, and turning on the speed. Um, 
So yeah, that was great. I mean, yes, Scott looked just like he did in the Oklahoma game. I mean, we, we would throw back-to-back screen passes to him and just let him do his thing. And it's amazing how people can't stop that. He's just that good in the open field with his quickness. Um, some other notes, Ray-Ray McLeod, guys, he is going to be very, very good. Uh, true freshman. He looked great yesterday, led the team in receiving. It's great to see Sharon Pete get back out there and see his speed um, really be an advantage on the field and just hoping to keep him healthy here in his last year because he's going to make a huge impact for us this year. Hunter Renfro, he got a lot of playing time yesterday. Could he be the next Tyler Grisham slash Adam Humphreys? Uh, you know, I hate to peg him into a role, but he has very similar qualities to these guys, I'd say. And he's coming in as a freshman as well, so great to see him out there. Um, you know, the other wide receivers look good too. Deion Kane, Trevion Thompson. So it was from that position group, got everything that we expected and a little bit more probably, especially with the way the, tr- uh, the freshmen performed. Yeah, and one last group that we didn't see too much of yesterday, at least not in the receiving game, was the tight end group. Uh, J.J. McCullough was suspended for the game, so he did not play. So, you know, we will hopefully see him in action against App State. Uh, Jordan Leggett actually, for once, blocked some guys. <laughs> that was the most surprising thing to me. I'd be watching. I was like, wait, did Leggett just block somebody I mean, on the outside? I'm not Artavis Scott, 35-yard touchdown. He had a key, key yeah, block there. I mean, I know they're just Wofford DBs and linebackers, but, you know, it's good to see him go out there and hit somebody. Yep. Hopefully he can get it more involved in the catching game. And then true freshman Garrett Williams, who was expected a redshirt this year, um, he was basically a co-starter with Leggett. He was also playing and looked really good from a blocking perspective. So that should definitely continue to bolster our running game. Yeah, absolutely. Good to see him get out on the field. I mean, there's a lot of hype behind him, and I, I hope I hope his play pushes some of these other guys. We should have J.J. McCullough back next week. He was suspended for something that happened uh, academically, I believe, last spring. So doesn't speak to how he's been doing lately. This is just a repercussion of that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think moving forward, we want to see a lot more action in the passing game, especially as we talked about with Leggett um, being a matchup nightmare and trying to fill in for the loss of Mike Williams. Yes, overall, clearly offense hitting on all cylinders, seeing good stuff out of the O-line and the running backs that was maybe a bit better than expected for week one. So good news all around on the offense. Switching over to defense, um, you know, I think from a running perspective, that was definitely strong. When you play a, a triple option team, it's really important to really snuff them out at the at the point of attack, and that clearly was the case. Um, Clemson held them to 123 yards rushing, 2.7 yards per carry, which is basically nothing when it comes to an option team. So great stuff there. Um, that was really led up front by the defensive line. Uh, we'll touch on a couple of names here. Uh, defensive tackle Scott Pagano was filling in for um, would-be starter DJ Reader, who left the team um, may, maybe never to return. Scott Pagano came in and really established himself as a dominant defensive tackle. Um, you might say Wofford's center was trash. That could be true. But I think in, in any event, Pagano played with intensity uh, that Brent Venables expected. Yeah, he sure did. And I we, we heard that when Reader left, it really came down to Pagano and Christian Wilkins, true freshmen, fighting for that starting spot. And Pagano really took that to heart, and I think he, he, he took advantage of the situation. He wanted it, and it showed yesterday. He played really well. He got a huge push. We, we saw him very active on that interior line, and he was in there on a lot of plays. And again, like you mentioned, 
We held them to 2.7 yards of carry. This is a team that averaged 5.3 yards of carry last year and returned, I believe, either 9 or 10 guys from their offense. So they have experienced guys in this system. So really great job by the defensive line to kind of control things at the point of attack yesterday. And they were a big part of holding them to, to under 3 yards of carry. Yeah, and actually when we didn't disrupt them right away on their on their option kind of def- or sorry offense, um, we actually saw defensive end Shaq Lawson track a bunch of guys down from behind, almost like a linebacker does. And to see that from him, you know, he's such a, a good presence in the in the passing game, um, putting a pass rush on. But um, to see that kind of thing on run plays, that type of pursuit, I mean, just well, he's it, such a beast. He he looks like a beast. I mean, Vic Beasley was one thing. Vic Vic Beasley had the quickness and that burst to get into the backfield. Shaq Lawson is a different player. But he brings a lot of great attributes that are going to really help this team out this year. And he's going to be a dominant force. I mean, he just looked he looked the part yesterday. He's, he's the next elite Clemson defensive end that we've been spoiled by in the past several years. So he's going to, yeah, he's going to be a lot of trouble for opposing offenses all season long. A couple other guys that I thought played pretty well. Um, true freshman Christian Wilkins. And then um, I didn't see him as much, but Jabril Robinson looks like also had a, a great game yesterday. Yeah, he did well in the interior line. Um, Christian Wilkins, uh, again, true freshman. I think he did very well. Again, this all goes back to the talent level of the team we're playing. But still, good to get these guys out here, get Christian Wilkins the experience, and good to see that you know we're concerned about depth. We, you know, we lost Ebo on the defensive line, and then Reader's gone now. So, but we're just filling in with these players who recruited highly. They were, you know, ranked well out of high school, and they're very capable and talented players. And we just keep lining them up and, and reloading. So, we do have concerns every time we lose uh, some guys, and our positions, you know, groups do get a little depleted. But defensive line, I still think we're in good shape because of how talented our young guys are. Indeed, um, and lastly. On the other side from Shaq Lawson on the on the end, Kevin Dodd looked like um, a few of the you know the times that Wofford was able to break through was on his side of the ball on the right side of that line from the offensive perspective. Um, so hopefully Kevin Dodd can sort some things out, maybe get some help behind him from the linebackers before we face like a Georgia Tech team um, that's yeah. going to bring it on that side. Yeah, I think he did some good things yesterday. He had a couple times uh, where he had a little trouble holding the edge. But again, this could be a good practice and warm-up for that Georgia Tech team. Um, really, overall, how all these linemen played yesterday, I'm very satisfied and encouraged by what we saw. Yeah, and you, you spoke earlier to linebackers. We got some good play out of Ben Bulware and DJ Goodson, our starters, but they did play a lot. So I think for me, the big takeaway here is against App State, I'd like to see some more, more guys' names called um, from the linebacker core if nothing else, to get, get some playing time there and to get some experience um, and to give these starters a bit of a breather. Well, and I'm not sure, yeah, they played a lot yesterday, and that means that it didn't seem that maybe our coaches had a lot of um, confidence in the guys backing them up. Um, the, the thing that concerns me a little bit is good to see some of these backups get more playing time against a triple option running team. The other side of argument of that is you could say well once we get to georgia tech you're not going to see these second street guys playing a lot they're really focusing on uh, sharpening these starters especially in bullware and bj goodson and getting them ready and getting the ex- them the experience so when we do play georgia tech that yeah. they're they're ready they're going to play the whole game and they know that and 
I have no doubt in my mind that Ben Bulwer could play every single snap all year and not be exhausted. <laughs> yeah, he's an animal. Um, so you got to look at it both ways. That could be a reason is that they just know that they're going to have to rely heavy, heavily on them when we get to a Georgia Tech. It's too bad Brent Venables himself doesn't have more eligibility, though. We've mentioned that before, and uh, <laughs> we've got a son coming, so we'll, it's true. We'll, we'll see the second coming of Venables. Transfer that. Um, maybe let's end here with the defense on the secondary. Uh, I think based on the style of offense of the team we played, as well as their talent level, um, they really weren't testing the capability of our cornerbacks and our secondary. Um, but that said, I think we did see some some positive play. Uh, J. Ron Curse seemed like he was all over the place um, making plays. He disrupted a would-be touchdown throw, um, I think, early part of the third quarter. T.J. Green led the team in tackles um, as out of the, I think, strong safety position there. Um, so, you know, definitely good things from the secondary. I don't think they were tested to the extent where we could have learned anything. But, um, you know... That, again, should be a bright spot for our defense this season. Yeah, really hard to tell with a team that doesn't throw the ball at all. And then when they do, it's just kind of a poor pass and desperation throw up in the air. But, you know, TJ Green had a few busts, but he did lead the team in tackles, like you said. So, uh, you know, really not much we can take away. We know what McKenzie Alexander is capable of. I think we're going to have to get to uh, playing a team like Appalachian State next week who is going to throw the ball more to where we can start to get some idea of how good they are. Yeah, if anything, I'd like to see a little more ball hawking from this this unit as well. Let's let's cause some of the turnovers that last year kept us in games um, from this core group, and that's probably going to come from the likes of Mackenzie Alexander. So we'll see what we get next week. And let's wrap up real quick with special teams. I think we touched on the play of Greg Hugel. Uh, look look good, and so far as he's kicking PATs, but definitely on the kickoffs. Um, booming that ball at least to the end zone. Let's see if he can work on some technique and get it even further. He's definitely got the leg for it, it looks like. So um, that was kind of a welcome surprise. Um, now second stringer, but really third stringer once we get Lake up back. Um, Alex Spence looked a bit shaky, but clearly this is now Hugel's job until Lake up returns and re-earns that role. So I feel pretty good about the kicking game at the moment. Yeah, so Hugel looked... Really good, better than I expected. He was really solid. All his, you know, we we didn't get to see a field goal, which I was kind of disappointed in. I would yeah. like to see us get some opportunities to kick some uh, longer thirty-plus yard field goals to see what he looked like. But very confident on his kicks. Uh, like you mentioned, he kickoffs were a welcome surprise for me. The fact that he was able to get them to the goal line or into the end zone, I think that's huge because that's really going to help with the field position game. Um, Alex Spence, he was a little shaky on that extra point attempt, but he did run in there late, and it was kind of a bad snap. So I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna be too hard on him. But again, if he's our third string kicker right now, that's not really one of my major concerns. Yeah, uh, we only had I think it was four punts on the day. So uh, brand new punter, uh, his name is Teasdall. Didn't look great necessarily. I think as long as 40 yards. That being said. Um, there are kind of some lame ducks being kicked up there. They didn't look great. Um, it's saying that he didn't record one inside the 20 either. I thought one may have bounced yeah. in there, but uh, the official stats aren't showing that. But 
overall, I wasn't really impressed by the by any of the punts. There didn't seem to be any struck really solidly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is going to be an issue. We need a guy that can flip the field. Uh, this really is going to put it on our offense to to sustain some drives and not go three and out and turn it over at the 30 and have to punt for there because it, it could be an issue because I don't think we're going to see some Bradley Pinion 45, 50-yard punts this year. Yeah, and if there are still question marks with the field goal game too and question marks with punter, are we going to see more fourth down attempts, fourth down conversion attempts? That could be. Um, again, we're super confident in our offense to convert those. Hopefully, as we get our run game you know, established, we will have fewer three, third and longs, fourth and longs to have to do that. So I think it all it's all a puzzle. We're all working it together. Um, hopefully some of the better play on offense contributes to less of a need for special teams to be good. But we know we're facing some, some stout opponents coming up where we probably will need to rely on special teams. And maybe to wrap up special teams, let's talk about the return game. Uh, kick returns on the very few that we had, I think we had one to start the game, and then a couple after some Wofford scores. Looked great. I feel like uh, Artavis Scott... Uh, he he was good on his kick return. Well, he only got to return one. Um, so yeah. then that was our only kick return all day. I think the other two were touchbacks. So, okay. But he looked good. Had some great moves. And uh, we'll be fine on kick returns. Punt returns? It's another story. Yeah, we <laughs> we had... Uh, man, where do we start? Jermon uh, Hopper on one, one punt return. Tried to make some moves. Tried to dance his way out of it. But ultimately lost, I think, 15 yards. 10 to 15 yards from the point where he caught the ball. Uh, against a Wofford team, that's pretty abysmal. Yeah, he, so he kind of tracked down the ball going backwards, and then his momentum just kept carrying him. And yeah, we were just kind of dead in the water from that one. Um, then you had at the end of the first half, Hunter Renfro, hearkening back to the South Carolina game in 2013 when Adam Humphreys seemed to cough the ball up a couple of times. Um, that was that was also rough. Um, again, he's a, a walk-on freshman here, so hopefully he'll learn, number one, you control the ball. Number two, you think about where you're going to go with it. Yeah, and then, and then Ray McLeod, he uh, he looked like a freshman, especially on a couple of his attempts yesterday, just going after balls he shouldn't have. So we are clearly still looking for an answer in the punt return game because we haven't found it yet. I mean, I, my hope is one of these three can work it out. I'm actually hoping it's Jermon Hopper. I think he... He does have that explosiveness of speed that we, we saw at times last year in the receiving game. Um, I would like Artavis Scott to not be returning punts, or kicks for that matter. Um, I think when, when we had C.J. Spiller there returning kicks, you know that he would gain us a number of yards and even scored a few times. But um, with what Artavis Scott means to this offense and what C.J. Spiller meant to the offense, I think not having them play special teams would be, would be for the best. So, Yeah, I think Hopper needs to step into the role as punt returner. For sure. You're more, more vulnerable. I'm less worried about Scott returning kicks. You're more vulnerable returning punts from an injury standpoint. So you'd rather not have your best player out there for that. But Hopper has the athletic uh, ability to really make some big plays. So I really hope he steps into this role. I don't want a true freshman back there returning kicks just because of what we saw yesterday from Ray Ray McLeod and then the fumble uh, from uh, Hunter Renfro. So I think this is Hopper's job to earn. Yep. And, and, and really run with. Cool. So 
let's maybe wrap up the overall thoughts on yesterday's game. I gave it an overall A minus score. I mean, I think I don't know how much more we could have expected across the board. I think we had some sloppy play in spots, a little bit on special teams as we just reviewed, um, and definitely the injuries kept us probably from our best possible game. We also, you know, didn't have the type of beatdown that some of our contemporaries in the ACC had, like a Georgia Tech. So, um, you know, overall on the defensive side, it was a good test against a triple option style offense, kind of Georgia Tech junior, if you will. Uh, we'll see who Wofford really is, what type of opponent we just beat um, as they move move around their their schedule. Um, but definitely, definitely across the board on defense, liked what we saw. Offense, big takeaway is the line looked consistent. Uh, good signs in the running game. We have all kinds of talent in the passing game and receiving side. Um, we really need to figure out who's going to step in in Mike Williams' absence, but I'm very confident in Deshaun Watson's ability to get them the ball and figure this out. So all good, good things on offense. And with special teams, you know, still some question marks in the return game and a bit of we, we don't know what we've got yet in field goal kicking and with punting in some pressure spots. But um, definitely, you know, some confidence being built in the kicking game heading into App State and Louisville. After that, we get AM and Lake up back. Um, most encouraged, I guess, by the one kickoff we saw from Artavis Scott. But um, definitely hit, hit or miss in the punting, punt return game. Mostly and miss. Mostly miss. Um, I don't so, think I saw any hits. <laughs> so overall, I mean, what can we glean from this game as we look to the rest of our schedule? If we had 12 Woffords on our schedule, we'd be 12-0, and 0, no problem. But we don't. Um, and I'm not sure that any type of dominance we saw yesterday can translate into some of our tougher opponents. But that being said, um, we did we did have you know signs of life across the across the board. So O line is gelling, running backs are breaking plays. Our D line, especially in the interior, is penetrating. Um, our linebackers played good assignment football; they didn't get burned in any spots. And then um, Hugel, let's see if we can get him some attempts next week. I think those are the things we need to build on. So we'll touch on that and more in our Wednesday preview of App State. Um, but real quick before we wrap up, Ben, any final thoughts on Wofford? I think what we saw what we wanted to see and a little bit more. It was great to see Deshaun Watson get out there and play such a great game. It was great to see our offensive line dominate like they should. And it was good to see the running backs really hit holes and, and make good runs. There was no dancing around the backfield. They were just, you know, straightforward. And they really, I, you know, I think they hit the holes well. They had great vision, and it was good to see that from them. From the defensive line, absolutely. Great push from the interior. Um, you know, the linebackers had great vision. They played well, the ones who were out there. And then the secondary, we'll just have to see. Um, kicking game, I think we're better than we thought we would be from a, from a place-kicking standpoint and from kickoffs. Punting both the return game and the punting itself, a lot to be desired. And I think that's one area that could cost us a game this year if we don't improve. Uh, kickoff returns, I think we're going to be fine with Artavis Scott. Overall, I agree with your assessment. I give it about an A-. minus. I mean, there's only so much you can learn from a, playing a team like Wofford if, if you do a lot of things well. But what we could have really keyed on is if we did anything terribly, and then that would have been some pause for concern. But overall... Great game by the Tigers. Great to see them back out on the field. It's just exciting to get football season started again. Absolutely. Um, all right, we will close with the final segment, talking about pertinent scores from around college football from the first weekend, at least so far. Still one more big game to be played uh, tomorrow night. So 
I actually want to start out, Ben. We're going to do this rapid fire style. I'm going to bring up the game and the score. You give me your quick reaction. Um, Appalachian State, they beat Howard by a, t- a tally of 49 to 0. I know it's Howard, but still, that's I don't think Wofford would have beat Howard 49 to nothing. So that's something we have to look forward to next week. Appalachian State is not a terrible team, and they're going to give us some challenges in some certain areas. So we'll preview again uh, this game uh, midweek, but interesting to see them them put up that score. They're, they're going to be a tougher talent challenge for sure. Uh, kickoff game, South Carolina edged by North Carolina 17-13. Well, after watching that game, I now know why 20,000 people decided not to go. Um, <laughs> that was a... That was a pretty sloppy game. Neither team looked good. Um, uh, you know, fortunately for us out here on the on the West Coast, the game was at three, so we weren't embarrassed by the state of football in the Carolinas because this this was <laughs> this was a terrible game. Terrible showing from fan bases too. Um, flipping back to yesterday, Auburn, number six overall, took care of business against Louisville, thirty-one to twenty-four. Um, a little bit of concern here. I'm actually surprised that Auburn did not win by more. They're uh, kind of picked by a lot of people to win the national championship this year. I'm you know, glad for the ACC that Louisville was actually able to keep it close, but it also brings me some, some concern for uh, Clemson because they're going to be a tougher test than maybe we thought. They're turning over a lot on defense and a new quarterback, but their new quarterback didn't look that bad. Yeah, I found their O-line to look vulnerable. So I feel like uh, if we can get a good game out of our defensive front seven, we can maybe keep keep clock management on our side, or at least uh, give Deshaun Watson a chance to stay in that game. Um, elsewhere in sort of ACC or future Clemson opponent play, um, number 11, Notre Dame, dispatched Texas 38-3. Yeah, so this is another one that impacts us big. I know Texas is rebuilding under Charlie Strong, but I expected them to be better than this. I mean, heck, they had about, it looked about 50% of that stadium in South Bend was Texas fans. So to see Notre Dame beat them 38-3, to they're a talented squad, and they are going to be a tough opponent for us. Um, Malik Zaire looked great, and we're going to have to watch out for that. I mean, circle this one on the calendars. This one's going to be big. Uh, big rival for us, Georgia Tech, ranked 16th in the country, 69-6 over Alcorn State. Again, just Alcorn State, but you know Justin Thomas, their quarterback, he looks fantastic. This is going to be a very Georgia Tech's going to be a very good team. Um, this Paul Johnson system is everybody's bought into it, and now he's getting good recruits and talent in there to to run this system. And this is going to be a tough game for us. Georgia Tech is not. I mean, they, they give us a hard time every single year. Real quick, I mean, I want to maybe put a moratorium at least on the podcast of calling Georgia Tech's offense a gimmick. Yes, it's a triple option style. It's unconventional. It's something that's played in high school and peewee football ranks. But it works. You don't put up 69 points. You don't put up, you don't, you know, beat Georgia last year. You don't win the ACC Coastal with a gimmick. And um, when you start getting solid players, like highly recruited players in there to run your system, yeah, it's becoming less of a gimmick. Exactly. Um, okay, wrapping up with ACC play, Florida State. 59 to 16 against Texas State. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're just playing Texas State, but the things to take away here is Everett Golson looked really good, and so did Dalvin Cook. Um, no turnovers from Golson. Now let's see what happens when he actually has to play quality opponents. But I think those are the two big takeaways there. This, another very tough game for Clemson. Yeah, and from what I saw, it was a much closer game in the first half. Florida State was only up about one score toward the end of this 
the second quarter. Um, from what I understand, also, it was just such a run-heavy game plan for them. So Dalvin Cook put the load on his shoulders. He took care of business. Um, I think that's going to be true until Everett Golson can really establish himself and gain the trust of his coaches. But we know that day is probably coming. What I hope also comes with that is his return to true form in the turnover side. He didn't turn the ball over, as you said. Let's see if that holds true against you know tougher opponents. Um, maybe with some other notable games around the country. Uh, Alabama, number three in the country. Everyone knows about them. 35-17 over Wisconsin. I think we kind of expected that. Alabama's going to be good. They are who, who they are. Wisconsin's probably a little bit overrated. They have a quarterback issue. We'll see. And the reason we talk about this is because if we we're expecting Clemson to be in the national playoff hunt, a team like Alabama, we could cross paths with. So we better be ready for them. Another team that we may be facing down the stretch if we are so lucky and get there, or if we hope to you know, hop into that top 10, we're going to have to displace. Number two, TCU had all they could handle from Minnesota. They only snuck by in that one, 23 to 17. Yeah, this was important because now at number 12, we need to start seeing teams ahead of us lose for us to move up. This is interesting. TCU, Minnesota's not a good team at all. I know they're at Minnesota, but they should beat them by much more than that. So be on the lookout for TCU possibly being a little bit overrated this year. They could be a team that drops off and allows us to move up. TCU's Big 12 rival, Baylor, uh, was actually, I think, tied with SMU going into halftime. Uh, but they pulled away in the second half. They won 56 to 21. Uh, notable from SMU, you know, good to see um, former uh, Clemson offensive coordinator um, Chad Morris get his start there and actually, you know, make it a game at least in the first half against Baylor. But um, you know that we did see ba- the Baylor system work, and for them to be able to put up 56 points, um, you know, Baylor is going to be a tough one. They may be in that playoff picture. Unless, you know, they can they can trip up against an Oklahoma or TCU down the stretch. Uh, maybe a couple more games left. Ole Miss, uh, helmed by none other than former Clemson recruit Chad Kelly, took care of U- University of Tennessee at Martin, 76-3. to Such an utter beatdown. Yeah, the interesting point here, Chad Kelly starting quarterback for Ole Miss, 9-15 of for 211 yards, two tees, one interception. He's going to be good. But guess what? I'd rather have Deshaun Watson. No question. And he'll probably get suspended at some point. Yeah, you know that's happening. (laughs) Uh, There will be a scandal. So last thing, um, ACC brethren, Virginia Tech, play host to number one consensus Ohio State Buckeyes tomorrow night. Uh, What's your prediction, Ben? Uh, Ohio State, uh, a lot. Virginia Tech, not much. It's not going to be a replay of last year. I know it's at Virginia Tech, but Ohio State's going to, they're going to roll them. I think so, too. I mean, Virginia Tech certainly has a solid defense, but uh, too much talent on the other side of the ball. Urban Meyer, that team has a bone to pick with Virginia Tech. Um, they're going to take care of business. If you are, I mean, it's 14 and a half point spread. I feel pretty confident about Ohio State there, too. Um, all right. Stay tuned, guys. We'll be back on Wednesday previewing the App State game. I think we're also going to take a look at uh, the NFL rosters around the league. They made their cuts down to the 53-man roster. A um, lot of lot of pain and suffering around the league for a lot of guys, but some Clemson boys made it through the cuts. Also, some guys landed on practice squads. We will recap all that for you this coming Wednesday and take a look at uh, the App State team that we are sure to be facing. So uh, thanks for tuning in. 
And real quick, uh, once again, shout out to ClemsonPodcast.com. Figure out where you can subscribe to us and follow us. We'd appreciate any feedback you have as well. Hit us up at ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com. If we get enough questions, comments, etc., we might even put together a mailbag for a future episode. So thank you very much, and go Tigers!